This is Eric Bull, Missouri Farm Bureau's Director of Public Affairs, with this week's edition of Around the Kitchen Table, our weekly podcast where we talk about the issues that our members are talking about around their kitchen tables. Today I'm joined by Leslie Holloway, Missouri Farm Bureau's Director of Regulatory Affairs. We're going to talk about the Rock Island Trail, the uh, former railroad line that is being considered to be converted into a uh, hiking and biking trail. So please pull up a chair to the, to the kitchen table and join us. Hi, Leslie. Welcome to the kitchen table. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate you being with us today. We're going to be talking about an issue that is sometimes a little bit difficult to um, to understand what some of the sides are uh, concerned about, but I think that you have a very firm grasp on uh, on it and wanted to get get your take on what's going on. So tell us about the Rock Island Trail. What is uh, what is the Rock Island Trail? Well, the Rock Island Trail is, uh, is under consideration is 144 miles running from Windsor, Missouri, to Beaufort, Missouri. And, and where are those? Windsor is in Henry County. Uh, Beaufort is over on the eastern side, just outside of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. The idea is that converting this railroad corridor into a recreational trail would provide an opportunity for Missouri to have an actual loop that would go through both St. Louis and Kansas City, connecting with the Katy Trail north of the Missouri River. The uh, ownership of the railroad corridor right now is with Ameren, and Ameren has decided that they have no use for the track, the railroad track, and so rather than abandoning the railroad, they are suggesting converting it to a recreational trail. Under the Federal Rails to Trails Act, if the owner of the railroad donates the corridor for purposes of recreational trail, then any claim to the easement property that landowners may have, those who at some point granted an easement to the railroad for the purpose of a railroad, um, those easement rights are preempted. And so if the railroad were actually abandoned under those easement terms of their agreements, that property would actually revert to the control of the landowners, uh, in many cases farmers, whose property is uh, bisected by the rail. In this case, the federal law says that if there is a trail sponsor who will run the corridor and uh, construct a recreational trail, then their claim to that property preempts the landowners' claims. So we have uh, about a thousand landowners along the the course of the the trail, and uh, many of those landowners have expressed concerns. Unfortunately, the federal law doesn't require there to be any consultation with those landowners during the process, uh, nor even notification of those landowners. Most of them didn't even hear anything about it until attorneys started contacting them uh, to offer their services filing claims for compensation because uh, one of the court cases that was actually um, the result of the Katy Trail is that the landowners in these cases can go to court to file a claim for compensation under the takings clause of the U.S. Constitution. This is, in essence, a taking of property by the government, and so the landowners are eligible, but they have to go to federal court and file claims, and that's where the attorneys come in. 
So, well, what did what does the timeline look look like on this? When did this begin being discussed as something that might happen, and where uh, where do we stand in that process? Well, the negotiations uh, we really don't know uh, when those started. It, they were between Ameren and Department of Natural Resources and proponents of the trail. And very clearly, none of the landowners were aware uh, of any of this until there was already an application before the Federal Surface Transportation Board um, from Ameren and DNR requesting approval to move forward with the conversion. And that was the point at which Farm Bureau became aware. This was in uh, late 2014. Mm -hmm. And at that point, uh, we invited uh, DNR, the director of state parks at the time, to come to our annual meeting that December and make a presentation to our county farm bureau leaders about the trail. Um, in those count, those county leaders from those counties where the trail is located. At that time, um, DNR said there would be hearings where landowners would have an opportunity to express their views. Um, there have never been any public hearings on the proposal. Um, there have been some public meetings held, and those were hosted by either county farm bureaus or by local state legislators. Uh, Department of Natural Resources has participated, has they've been invited, and they have participated in those meetings. But in terms of actually having landowners' views on the record for you know, documented for purposes of the ultimate decision, um, the first opportunity they have had is the public comment period that the Department of Natural Resources held this summer. And that so, was a written comment uh, opportunity. Yes. Uh, Department of Natural Resources set up a uh, website where people could file comments uh, electronically by email. And so there were um, over 8,600 comments filed via email. Missouri Farm Bureau submitted um, paper comments with attachments showing news stories from the public meetings that had been held in 2015-2016 with over uh, 500 interested attendees um, at those meetings. Um, and so the landowners uh, also had the opportunity to submit comments during DNR's public comment period. So what are some of those comments? What are the concerns that people do have uh, about the the potential for this trail to go in, because I think a lot of people see it as a opportunity to have another uh, state park, another trail to uh, to to parallel the Katy Trail, and um, maybe bring more people into the area. Is that um, what are the concerns people have with that happening? Well, the concerns, of course, from the landowners who are directly affected, are how will they be impacted by the public coming through their property, whether it's on foot or on bike, or if there's approval for uh, equine use, might be horseback riders. There could be a variety of types of traffic going through, in many cases, through their property, uh, whether it's a pasture or whether it's a, a crop field um, or simply um, uh, a building, um, a place where they have buildings located they will have to be aware of whether there is trespassing going on, whether there is adequate fencing where there's livestock located, and there are uh, changes that their lifestyles will see just as a result of having this public park, uh, state park, 
actually located in the midst of their farm operation or their home, uh, whatever the case may be. And is that something that we've seen with the Katy Trail and other similar trails, or is this just a, you know, is this a hypothetical issue that some people just don't want to have it, or have we actually seen that happen? The Katy Trail changed the lives of every landowner who owns property along the Katy Trail. In some cases, there have been no negative impacts, at least nothing in the in terms of theft or uh, those types of incidents. However, every landowner who we've been in contact with says that it's it's always a presence in your daily routine. Mm-hmm. And if you have dogs, which are, of course, very common uh, on farm properties, if your dogs are barking and you don't know why they're barking, you have to be concerned and you have to go see what's going on. We have had reports of people coming off the trail and actually going into outbuildings um, with no uh, malicious intent, but just because they were curious. Mm -hmm. And so there are all types of questions about liability and other types of um, problems that could occur if you have people coming on your property, in addition to the loss of privacy, just that you know that there could at any time be people coming through the property. Sure, and that's the part of the reason some people move to out, be out in the country is so that they wouldn't have people going through their their backyard all the time. Absolutely. And this, uh, they have lived with the railroad corridor for decades now because it hasn't been in operation for decades um, to just decide that all of a sudden, because there may be somebody from somewhere, whether it's in Missouri or other states, that has an interest in, in riding a bike across Missouri and to simply take away their property rights without any input from them uh, just seems egregious. Well, and you mentioned other states. I think that was one of the interesting things from talking with you about this in the past is that some of those comments, well, actually a lot of those comments um, that were submitted to DNR um, came from people who have no skin in the game. Um, have How many of those comments did you go through and, and what did you see come out of that from the uh, the people from other other areas? I went through all of the comments because I thought it was... And that a, was how many comments again? 8,600 plus. <laughs> I, I don't envy your job. <laughs> it was, it took some time, I'll have to say that. There, you, you can't tell where many of the commenters reside mm-hmm. from their comments and the way they're posted, they don't have... They weren't address. required to say they weren't required you know, where their to, home was. Or right. Something. And in fact, DNR didn't want to d- disclose that information in many cases. Sure. But within some of the comments, there were specific references to where that particular commenter uh, resided. Mm-hmm. And there are at least 25 different states represented by commenters, people who reside in, in those states making comment, as well as a couple of uh, overseas um, comments or commenters. So there's nothing wrong with that, but certainly when our policymakers are making a decision about whether this is a good thing for the state, it would seem important to take into account that, sure, people who are not taxpayers here, who are not living and working here, may think this is a great thing, and that's understandable, but we probably need to take into account the concerns of 
those who are directly sure. affected. Yeah, it's like I'd love to have another park over in uh, another state as well, but it's probably important to know what the people in that state think of it. So. Exactly. And and I think you mentioned that a lot of those commenters from, especially from other states and some from Missouri as well, but a lot of them uh, referred to this as just a no-brainer. That was their, their phrase. And um, one of the, uh, it's easy to be a no-brainer when it doesn't cost you anything and when it uh, doesn't affect your land. But on that cost issue, what what would be the cost of changing this over from a railway to a uh, to a pedestrian well, path? Well, there were absolutely no cost estimates. We would ask DNR at these public meetings for cost estimates. Landowners would ask those repeatedly, and there was nothing until DNR opened this public comment period. And, and to their credit, they did put out a cost estimate in a uh, frequently asked questions um, uh, summary that appeared along with the opportunity to to comment, and they are estimating sixty five to eighty five million dollars wow. for construction. They're estimating over half a million dollars in annual costs for operation mm-hmm. and maintenance. So that's just back of the envelope math. That's about half a million dollars a mile um, for the to the construction. So. It's not just a matter of pulling up the rails and then letting people walk on it. Exactly. This is a, a far more costly proposition than the Katy Trail was, and the Katy Trail actually had private money involved. It mm-hmm. was not all state money. And what, DNR does admit that they do not have currently a source for mm-hmm. the for funding if they were to move forward. So what makes this one so much more uh, expensive than Katy Trail was? Several things. One is the dif- difference in the terrain. This is much more uh, much rougher terrain. Uh, the, the north mm-hmm. of the river was, was primarily cropland, row crop mm-hmm. farms. This is more livestock production, and there are ra- uh, rivers to cross. There are two bridges. There are a number of tunnels, and those are in disrepair. So it's going to be going to be much more costly to get this corridor in shape if there were to be a, a recreational trail. In addition, the DNR says that because of the locations are farther away from the bases of operation that they have, it will be more costly to them to operate and maintain the trail. Mm-hmm. Well, and also DNR has been hasn't been a wash in funds lately, anyway. Exactly. There, there were some new state parks, uh, new land purchased for state parks, four of them uh, within the past year, and those have all been. Uh, held, uh, the public is not uh, does not have access to those because uh, the funding uh, for continuing to develop those into state parks uh, has not been available. Mm-hmm. So, bottom line is, without since we don't have enough money to take care of the parks we currently have, it's going to be a pretty big struggle to come up with sixty five to eighty five million dollars, um, especially out of taxpayer funds. Are they looking at some private money to uh, potentially do that, cover those costs, or is that only for operation? There, there does seem to be some uh, effort being made to secure some private funding, although there haven't been any figures uh, provided publicly and uh, no sources named publicly. But there are not-for-profit organizations that do sponsor some of these types of trails throughout the nation, and so there would be a possibility of private funding for this this trail as well. Mm-hmm. And one other issue that I remember you mentioning at one point was that uh, some of the farmers in the area have raised concerns to you and others about uh, potential biosecurity issues. Uh, can you explain a little more about why that may be a concern to them? 
Well, there there are certain types of farm operations that have to meet certain uh, standards for the uh, retailers who they are selling to the uh, integrators. And in this, in one particular case, uh, dairy operation, the the barns um, have restricted access, and there are zones around some of the the buildings and the property to that have to be controlled so that n- no. Uh, type of exposure to disease or, or other types of pests uh, would come into contact with the, with the, uh, with the animals or, or with the product. And so there are very specific concerns in that regard for some of the farmers and ranchers along the corridor. Sure, because somebody could, like you said, even with the Katy Trail, sometimes people didn't have any malicious intent, but the fact that they're walking around on somebody's land just exploring even could pose a, uh, a a biosecurity concern to somebody who has who complies by those strict standards and could put their operation in jeopardy. Yes, definitely. Okay. Well, um, are there any other concerns that uh, you've heard of uh, expressed over this uh, the course of the past few years as you've looked into this that we ought to make people aware of? Um, you know, just the idea of costs to the communities as well. And, mm-hmm. um, there are public safety issues. If you have a, an emergency situation and emergency response is needed, if you have law enforcement needs, those are also costs that will be uh, um, imposed on the, the local government mm-hmm. authorities. Mm-hmm. Well, it definitely uh, is a complicated issue. It's not as straightforward as, as some people try to make it. It's uh, it's not the no-brainer, I think, that uh, it, that many of those commenters have said. Uh, a lot of different things to take into account when making this decision. What's the timeline look like on as we move forward on this? DNR hasn't indicated when they might make a decision. There is a February deadline that uh, the for having an actual agreement submitted to the Federal Surface Transportation Board, an agreement between whoever the sponsor trail will be and Ameren. And so there have been some extensions. Uh, approved in the past for having this agreement. There could be further extensions, but at this point there is a a February deadline for an agreement. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that and keeping people up to date on uh, any developments that we hear about on this issue. But thank you for talking with us about this. I think that it's good to talk about issues like this in depth um, on the format like, like our podcast where we can kind of get a deeper dive into why uh, this something that seems on the surface like a non-controversial issue can actually be a lot more complicated. Definitely. Thanks, Eric. Absolutely. Well, thank you also for joining us. Uh, to our listeners, please leave us a comment on Facebook or, or Twitter if you have any ideas of episodes you'd like to hear uh, us tackle over the, the coming weeks. We appreciate you joining us every week and look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.